bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host Corinne Nidja. So today's guest had eczema, but she also had asthma, arthritis, and all year long allergies, as well as migraines. So she is such a great guest to have because there's so many people that we know in our friendship circles and our families who are living with migraine, who are living with asthma, who are living with eczema, who are living with allergies. They're just something that people just think they have to live with. That's just a normal part of everyday life and everyone has those kind of things and they're seemingly minor. Just get on with your life and take the medication and forget about it. But they're actually not normal. They're not things we need to have and accept as part of our everyday life. And there can be debilitating and you know life-threatening in the case of asthma. This week's guest also had arthritis diagnosed in her early 20s and all of those things she no longer has, thanks to making the changes to her diet, ditching the dairy, ditching the meat, and adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. I'm giving away every single piece of this show, but you should listen to her story and her tell her story. Jennifer Sinyard is here today, and she is my new best friend. Yeah, she's my new best friend. I loved speaking to her and we just couldn't stop chatting about rich roll and sleep hygiene and all the things that we're learning about on this journey. When you start pulling off the conditioning that we have about how we should sleep and how we should eat and how we should exercise and live and uncovering new and better ways that support optimal health and vitality and you start feeling better, you know, you just can't... You just get so excited and you just want to learn more and more. So Jennifer is here this week and she is going to share her story with you all. And I hope that you enjoy listening and I hope that you share her story with everyone you know who's living with migraines and asthma and arthritis and eczema and allergies that doesn't need to be, that could be feeling really, really, really good. You can, before I forget, you can follow Jennifer on social media at Whole Plant Foodie. W-H-O-L-E-P-L-A-N-T-F-O-O-D-I-E. Whole Plant Foodie on social media and wholeplantfoodie.com is her website where she shares recipes, tips, all those kinds of things. Um, If you want delicious ideas and things for your toolkit, you will love her website and following her. So head over there and head to the show notes if you want to just click on it directly and get there now. Click on the link and you will find all the links to her social media and her website in the show notes for you to check out. And I hope that you love hearing her story as much as I love chatting with her. See you at the end of the episode. Bye. Hello, Jennifer, and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm cold. I'm just very cold. I'm very warm. I know. We were just discussing before we pressed record that it's in Canada where she- you are. It's boiling where you are now. And I associate Canada with it always being cold. And yep. you associate Australia with it always being hot and it's freezing here right now. <laughs> but then I speak to people from the States and Canada who they have, you know, proper snow and we just get like pretend snow well, really. I get proper snow where I am. I'm kind of more in a northern town. So it's, it's, we get winter. It's wild here. Yeah, see, I can't imagine that, honestly. But it feels like, to me, this feels like deep winter, but I've never been, I've never lived in a place where it snows properly. Oh, you'll have to come. I'll have to come. I've always wanted to. I know you talked to Andrea last week and she's in Calgary, so she's like three hours south of me, so we're kind of in the same area. Ah, oh, there you go. Small world. Uh-huh. Do you two know each other? Um, it's funny, we haven't met, but we've like been at a couple of the same plant-based things. And we were supposed to meet this summer at a Dr. Campbell thing, but it got cancelled because of COVID. 
I am um, so glad that we got to catch up. Via, thank goodness for Skype and Zoom and all right. the things in a pandemic oh and Ugh. always. <laughs> yeah. It's really handy. How are you going over there? Are you in lockdown or what's happening in Canada? I don't actually really know. Um, things are like starting to open right now. They were for probably a good two months. Things were really crazy. You couldn't really go out, you know, like we could go buy groceries and stuff like that. But mm. you're like one person for family mm. was supposed to go. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's just starting to slowly open up now. But our cases are starting to go up too. So I, we are not quite sure what's going to happen. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a difficult, it's such a, I would hate to be a world leader right now. I'd find it so stressful because it's just. Yes, I agree. You can't really win with everyone. Some people want it to all go back to normal. Some people want it to be really closed down and it's just so confusing. I go back and forth myself. Yeah, same. Same, <laughs> same. I just, it would be so difficult. Yeah, here we're in our second stay, second round in Victoria of lockdown. So we're just in had home again so but our cases are so they open things up and then they close them again yeah 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 that's what we're kind of figuring is going to happen here too yeah they've just closed them last week this is so yeah just 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 now in the metro so everyone that's in the close to the city so my parents now aren't in lockdown but i can't see them because i'm in lockdown and my brother's in lockdown oh my goodness Wow. Yeah. So it sucks. It sucks. But I'm hoping that it will. I don't know. But my son's school's basically just saying like the next six weeks will be homeschooling again, but that they're kind of like this could happen over and over again for a while and we just have to all get used to it. I don't know how people keep doing it. My kids aren't in school yet and it's like I'm scared for when they start school if this is still happening. Mm. Yeah. Well, like you just – it's just so hard. And they sent the email last time. I just kind of just neglected it and just said, "Look, we're just gonna have <laughs> we're just gonna have fun for three months yeah. at home. We'll That's do good. school. That's we did we did do. we did school stuff. Like yeah, he learned learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ticked off maths and English and all those things every day. But okay. I but I didn't follow their curriculum because I was like, "It's just too hard." Basket with different age much, kids and teacher. everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually am a teacher. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. So you might be a teacher and there's probably lots of parents that are, but you have other things that you do too, right? Yeah. 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 So I just left it. And then, but now they're like, you know, we can't, if it's going to be going forever, we have to think about their long-term education. So I was like, oh, now I may have to be a bit more serious about it. And I don't want to, I can't be bothered. It's already hard enough. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) So tell us your story. What, what, where did it begin for you? What, what, what was the first signpost along the way that things weren't okay? You know, I was really ignoring a lot of the stuff that was happening. So I had asthma since I was a kid and had always been told that there was nothing I could do about that. I would be on medication for the rest of my life. Um, I had eczema as well. Same kind of thing was just told, well, you know, you just have to deal with it. There was nothing they could do. I think at different times I was given different medications for it, but none of it really helped. Um, As I got older, I kind of developed what was always told to me that it was seasonal allergies, but I had it 12 months out of the year. So I was taking allergy medication every day to try to manage the symptoms of that. In my late 20s, I started having symptoms of arthritis. um, And by the time I was about 31, 32, I, I couldn't even kneel down. My knees were so bad. My joints were so bad. And I have a pretty physical job, so it was actually really starting to affect me at work. But funny enough, you know, I was 32 and I thought, oh, I'm just getting old. You know, this is just what happens. You know, at 32 to be thinking that really isn't right. But that's kind of what we learn in society, you know, that our bodies break down over time. And I also started having migraines as well. There was nobody who could really tell me what was causing those. I had a bunch of tests done on my eyes and kind of some MRIs done and stuff. And nobody really had any answers for me. So that was something else I just kind of had to suffer through. And yeah, I... I kind of never really associated any of that with food. I didn't know that any of it was even associated with each other. I thought it was all these very separate things. Uh, No doctors really gave me any clear answers. And so I just thought this is just part of life. You know, all my friends and family also had their list of things that they dealt with. and, And I thought, well, this is just, you know, this is my thing that I 
that I deal with. And I didn't really pay much attention to it. You know, even though the arthritis was really affecting my job, like I said, it was making it really hard for me to work. What was your job? What is your job? I'm a mechanic. So I, I work with my hands. I'm on my knees all the time at work. And it, you know, and, and the thing is too, because in that world, like mechanics, you know, they get arthritis and their, their joints get swollen and it's just kind of a thing that you expect to happen. And so I thought, oh yeah, well, I'm a mechanic. So this is just kind of what's going to happen to my body um, from, I guess, the abuse that I've put it through, through working. Uh, I had all these ways of justifying kind of what was happening. Yeah, I just never really thought about food. Um, even though I, you know, I kind of always also had struggled with my weight I wouldn't say I was ever like hugely overweight, but I could never manage my weight. I was always either counting calories or, um, you know, really restricting portions. And I kind of learned to do that as, as a young age. Like I think most girls do, you know, like you're a teenager, you don't want to be overweight. I kind of went through a period where I, you know, had a lot of struggles with an eating disorder and, and kind of got help for that and spent some time. I guess getting treatment from a dietitian or a nutritionist, I'm not quite sure what she would have been otherwise, but I remember her just saying to me, you know, the ultimate goal is to gain enough weight to get out of this program. This is how you do it. And she, she kind of taught me some ways to control what I was eating. And even though I know that she was, you know, her heart was in the right place, I think she actually just helped me figure out a way to kind of eat terribly without anybody knowing kind of thing. So I got really addicted to diet pop, you know, aspartame, all these kind of fat-free foods that were on the market at the time. Yeah, I just, I didn't eat really great. And um, even though, you know, I I think when I look at my diet since childhood, it was probably better than some people. My mom was a stay-at-home mom for most of the time. And so we did have a lot of like home-cooked meals, but it was like the standard meat and potatoes, you know, um, white bread, french fries, you know, and so it, I still kind of got used to eating all that bad stuff. As a, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I really experimented with food a lot more. I really loved cooking. And, um, but I got really into like, I thought I had to eat dairy all the time. I thought dairy was this like super awesome health food. I drank skim milk all the time. I was eating goat's cheese. I was eating yogurt every day. You know, I thought this was great for my, my gut. I don't know if you guys had those commercials in Australia, but there was this commercial with this woman that danced and showed her gut flora being all healthy because she was eating yogurt. And we kind of all believed that was true. Um, so I had no idea that any of these health problems that I was having had anything to do with food. I thought that I ate really well. I ate a lot of chicken. I ate a lot of fish. I didn't really didn't eat a lot of like fast food. I would occasionally, but it wasn't like the main part of my diet. So um, in 2014, I just randomly watched Forks Over Knives one time. It wasn't something that I didn't even know what it was, honestly, when I put it on. I, I liked documentaries. I liked learning new things. I had watched a couple other ones, you know, like I think I had already watched Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead and stuff like that. And none of them really kind of hit home for me. Uh, it wasn't until I watched Forks Over Knives and it was about halfway through Forks Over Knives. And I just turned to my partner at the time and I said, I can't ignore this information. This, I can't, I can't unknow this. Like I, I knew what they were saying was true. You know, you can just tell when you see Dr. Campbell and Dr. Esselstyn talking just how um, genuine they are and like they're not doing anything they're doing for money. They're just sharing, sharing knowledge that they've learned over the years. And it really just struck me, just both of them, both of their careers and the stuff that they were sharing. It's interesting that you mentioned those two because that's those two documentaries because like literally last week's guest said the exact same thing, that he, there's those two documentaries that that made the, made the penny drop for him as well. They're really powerful documentaries. If you haven't watched them, check them out. I'll put the link in the show notes. But so for you, like with your arthritis, you were diagnosed in your, just to skip back a little bit, you were diagnosed in your 20s. And how was it affecting your life? So like I said, I was a mechanic, so it was making it really hard to do my job efficiently. It got to the point where I couldn't kneel down, so I had to buy myself a special stool so that I could sit to do some of the jobs I would normally kneel, and I was carrying this stool around at work, and, and I'm kind of short, so the joke at work was that I carried this stool around because I was short, but I was really actually carrying it around because I needed somewhere to sit because I couldn't put any pressure on my joints anymore. So, you know, it was... I was trying to figure out, like, how am I going to do my job for the next 30 years? Because I want to work until I'm older, right? And uh, I just thought, man, this is getting worse. Every year it was getting worse. And, you know, I, yeah, it just was making my life really difficult. Yeah, wow. 
especially when you're young, like a young woman, meant to be in your like prime of feeling great, and you've got. Did you still have asthma as well? Yeah, so I was still taking asthma medication. I was on like a pretty generic puffer every day. And then usually once or twice a year, I would get a really bad chest infection and have to be put on antibiotics and steroids. And the steroids would make me gain weight. And then I would have to struggle to get that weight back off and get off the medication. And yeah, that was just like everyday life for me, the asthma Mm, thing. Yeah, and to allergies as well? Yeah, so then I was taking an allergy medication every day, um... I don't remember what it was called, Loritidin, I think it was. And it basically would just stop my eyes from watering because my eyes were watering so much that the skin on my eyelids had kind of just come off. Like the skin on my eyelids were just so used to having so many tears on them that the acid had kind of worked away at my eyelids. And I just had kind of these weird eyelids because I, I my eyes were just watering all the time for no unknown reasons. And then also because I was taking these these allergy medications all the time, I ended up getting sinus infections because that was kind of a side effect of drying out your sinuses all the time. Mm. So all of this seemed normal to me. You know, it's funny when I look back on it now, like how did I just think that was normal? But I just had gotten used to it over time, right? It it slowly got worse. Like the toad in the pot. Yes, that's what I was, Mm. yeah. So did you also have digestive problems at the time as well or was your digestion okay Um, you know nothing that I can say that was super obvious however when I switched to plant-based my digestion for sure switched and so I know that kind of the way it was before wasn't super healthy I didn't have any like major complications but I know I wasn't you know having bowel movements as often as I should have and stuff like that which obviously changes when you start eating whole food plant-based like that's kind of one of the first things you're like what is going on For sure, for sure. So you watched Fat Sick and Nearly Dead and you talked to your partner and you said, uh, and Forks Over Knives. Forks Over Knives. It was Forks Over Knives that I, I, after watching that, I said, okay, I need to right now just try this. And my initial plan was that I was just going to try it out for like a month. I had no intentions of sticking with it. I thought, I'm just going to give this a try. A month from now, nothing will be different and I'll just go back to my normal way of eating. And that's what I thought. Like, but I decided to go all in and I, you know, I went through my cupboards and I got rid of food that wasn't, um, I really like looking back when I think about it, I didn't really know the difference between whole food, plant-based and vegan. I had kind of a basic idea, you know, no white bread and stuff. The whole no oil thing didn't necessarily completely sink in right there at that very beginning. Um, but I definitely just started eating a ton of salads and soup and got rid of the meat and dairy and the yogurt, which I loved, which was hard, Mm. but. And so. You did that transition slowly or just over the space of a couple of weeks or days? or how? No, I did it the next day. I just did it. I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. I want to try this and see what happens. I want to see what these doctors are talking about. Are these guys quacks or is this for real? <laughs> and how long did it take for you to find out that it was real? So it was about three weeks later when I realized that I hadn't taken my puffer in a couple days and I was having zero symptoms and I thought, okay, that's super weird. And then I also started realizing that on days when I kind of forgot to take my allergy medication, I wasn't getting any symptoms either. Um, So I kind of stopped taking them, both of those on purpose to just see what was going on. Um, My asthma was just gone. My allergies were just gone. And so um, I also had this probably within about a month, four to five weeks, I noticed that my joints suddenly weren't bothering me. I could kneel on my knees again. It all really happened very quickly. And I'm thankful that it did because I think that's kind of why I'm still sticking to it now is that, you know, within a month I had just these amazing results. And I also, um, uh, my eczema started clearing up. So at the time I had eczema all down my arms, um, all down my back. Um, and it just very quickly cleared up. I had my entire life. I had those patches of eczema. They had never, as far as I can remember, you know, my mom talks about them from when I was a kid and, the first time in my life they were they disappeared. Wow, it's so interesting because a lovely, lovely friend of mine recently wrote to me and said, do you have any, I don't know how it came about, but anyway, I was looking, I thought I thought that I had episodes with people, people specifically with eczema, but the eczema, but they had psoriasis. So mm. I'm happy that you're coming on because I can say, yes, I do. I have one, <laughs> I have one yeah. story um, because it's, ex, ex, eczema is, It's one of those conditions that people kind of just dismiss, but how debilitating is it being itchy all the time? Yeah, and it's embarrassing too. You know, like I'm, you can see me, I'm sitting here with my arms exposed. I never used to want anyone to see my arms. I definitely never wanted anybody to see my back. It was, 
you know, it was just kind of an embarrassing thing. So, you know, people look at it and go, oh, what's that? Even though I know a lot of people are familiar with eczema, but still it would just be a really uncomfortable thing to have there. Yeah. But. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that, wait, how quickly did it go away for you? It was about a month. It was pretty quick. So you must have felt, how did you feel having felt, you know, sick and asthma and allergies and eczema and arthritis for so many years and then that to be gone four weeks later? I was two things. I was super excited and I was super mad. Mm. (laughs) I was super mad that no doctor had ever told me this. I was really confused why I had never heard about this before in my life, why I had been on all these medications as long as I could remember and no one had ever said to me, hey, why don't you try ditching dairy or why don't you try changing your diet up? Like even anything, there was never any mention of food, how any of that could have been kind of linked. And, and when I first realized that I didn't need to take my puffer, I immediately Googled like vegan diets, asthma, and suddenly found all these other people who were experiencing the same thing, that dairy was this major contributor to asthma. And I had never heard that in all my life. So I was pretty mad. Yeah, like I was excited, but I was also just disappointed. You know, up until that point, I thought, oh, my doctor knows everything. They would tell me anything. You know, I had this really um, genuine trust in the medical community. And not that I distrust them now because I don't, but I just realize now that they don't necessarily know everything in particular about nutrition. Mm. It's a really sad discovery I do think that there is this anger because I know from myself with my own journey that you're just when I go and they don't suggest anything about diet when I ask them about things and they don't talk about or they just dismiss it offhand like it's nothing and you're looking at these people that are highly educated that they've gone to all the trouble of wanting to learn they so deeply care about trying to do their best to heal people and help people with their health and yet they haven't made just the, it seems to me like that it's just such a simple straight line connection between our bodies and what we put into our bodies like that it would be just such a no brainer to go i care about health how are these bodies why are these bodies malfunctioning diet like i'm not a doctor and it was really obvious for me that why is my body malfunctioning oh it's something in my environment is causing it to malfunction but doctors just never really talk about that. And it just seems so mind-blowing to me that, yeah, that that can be a, a thing that they just don't even acknowledge or raise or question what we're putting into our bodies and why our – like you're a mechanic. You would know if you're putting Twinkies in a car engine that that car is <laughs> exactly. not, not, exactly. not going to work. So a doctor, you would think, is a doctor you're – a, you're a doctor of cars and machinery and you think a doctor of human bodies would be like, what are you putting into your engine? Exactly. <laughs> oh, of course, it's not going to run properly. Yeah, so it's a disappointing discovery for sure. I mean, I realize now that it's not any one person's no. fault. You know, it's the whole system yeah. that's kind of just been set up wrong and to make profit and not really to help people. But mm. it's. I hope it changes. It's just sad to me. And even like I still see it when I talk to people now about what they eat. You know, they they always default to, well, my doctor said to do this and my doctor told me to eat drink skim milk and my doctor told me, you know, to eat chicken breast. And it's like people take what their doctor says as gold. Mm. You know, it's like they, they believe that. Mm. And it's almost like a bit of malpractice in a sense when a doctor's talking about nutrition when they really don't know about it. Yeah. If you're listening and you're not really aware, many like, things are slowly changing in many many universities and education for doctors, but I still, most doctors will say they had literally like three weeks and it was just feed them maximum or three hours or whatever that they get on nutrition and it's just basically eat chicken breasts and vegetables and dairy and feeding people who are in the hospital and infant formula, right? And it's, I know in North America, it's something like an average of nine hours in their entire medical training. They get nine hours of training on nutrition. It's terrible. Yeah. And if you're not interested in it, you just dismiss it because people talk, there's, there's all these cool things to learn about when you want to become a doctor. Why would you want to think about food when you could think about, I don't know, cutting people and doing blood <laughs> tests and stuff? I doing magic with pills. Doing magic yeah. with pills. So... Did your partner get on board or was he like, oh. So he kind of did at the time. Not so much. He didn't jump into it as much as me. Um, but he definitely uh, 
like he believed it all and he wanted to live that way. He definitely struggled with food addictions. Him and I aren't together now, but we do have two children together. So I, I won't say a lot about him, but he, he eats whole food plant-based pretty much as much as he can, but he definitely, um, not as much as I do, I guess, but he also didn't have the health problems I did. So he didn't have that kind of the motivation. Yeah. Like that experience that I had where I was like, Whoa, I never want to go back to feeling that way. You know, that's kind of what keeps me here. So. Yeah. 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 So what were the challenges for you? What were the biggest challenges for you making the switch? So one of the other things that happened, and this is kind of just my personal thought is um, earlier in my life, I had been told that I couldn't have kids partially because of the history I had with an eating disorder during my teen years and I never had a period. But then later in life, I decided I didn't want kids. And there had been times kind of where I maybe should have got pregnant and I didn't get pregnant. Four months after I went whole food plant-based, I got pregnant on birth control. Like just like, and my partner at the time, he was also whole food plant-based. So we both feel like this was a contributing factor for us, fertility wise, you know, just this crazy, like how, how did I just get pregnant? So one of the biggest struggles I had actually was that I got pregnant so early on in my journey and I wasn't knowledgeable enough to answer everyone's crazy questions that they started asking me. You know, people were like horrified that I was going to stay vegan for my pregnancy. Um, So in a way, it was a weird blessing because it really put some fire under my butt to do a lot of reading. And, um, you know, I started buying every single book I could find about whole food plant-based eating and finding all the different doctors that are kind of uh, prescribing lifestyle medicine. And it really made me do a lot of reading and research that I could be really confident, even though I knew for myself, I felt great. I wanted to be confident that this was kind of the best decision for all stages of life, that it was the best thing I could do while I was pregnant, that it was going to be the best thing for my kids when they came along. So yeah, but it was a big struggle. People are very judgmental. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, that's one of those conversations that I just tend to change the subject. <laughs> like but in the early days when you're a mother and those conversations come up where they can be really judgmental and they can put fear in your heart when you're, cause you want to do the best for your babies. And these people can come, can come along and just kind of crush you by saying, you know, you're going to kill your babies and they're not going to grow properly and they're going to be deformed or, you know, some horrible thing. And I just felt like I just had to change the subject on those conversations straight away. So with your, why did they tell you that you weren't going to be able to have children just because of the damage you'd done? Yeah, I just, I think because I lost my period. So I think they just kind of assumed that I kind of had messed up my reproductive kind of cycle and stuff. Um, So I didn't get my period back till I was like 22. So like I got my period like at a normal age when I was 12 or 13 and then it went away by the time I was 14. So I didn't have it for five or six years. Um, And so, yeah, it was just one of the things that was said to me kind of when I was in treatment at the time for the eating disorder was that more than likely I wouldn't be able to have kids. And, you know, looking back on that, for all I know, that was like a scare tactic towards me to be like, hey, you should probably take care of your body if you ever want to have kids. But it's kind of something that was just always in the back of my mind and kind of when I was in my 20s and there was different times where it was like, oh, you know, there are situations yeah, where maybe yeah. if I was going to get pregnant, I probably would have. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. So, like, I don't know for sure. Like, I was never diagnosed with fertility issues or nothing like that. I never had any testings. But it was just, like, interesting to me how qu- quickly and easily I got pregnant. Yeah. Considering that you were on the you – you were taking contraception as well. I was on contraceptive, yeah. So – and I didn't miss it. Like, it, everyone's always like, well, you probably missed some. Like, I didn't. Like, we were, we were pretty sure we didn't want to have kids. So – it was, uh, yeah, it was a big, big shock. Mm. I can't even imagine. When you don't want to have a baby and a baby arrives, oh, my gosh. Everything changed when I became pregnant, though. Do you know what? It was like everything that I thought it was going to be like was so different. Once I became pregnant, once I knew that there was that life inside of me, I everything the world just seemed different. I'm sure you experienced the same thing. Like, it's just like when I almost feel like I became a mother that day. The second that I knew I was pregnant, I was a mother. I didn't become a mother the day my son was born. I became a mother that day that I peed on that stick. You know, it's like, you know, like there's life inside of you. You want to protect it. You want to take care of yourself. And um, yeah, I just like started seeing everything differently. So even though I didn't want kids before, once I get pregnant, it was like all good. So yeah. Oh, it's so wonderful. So you had a healthy pregnancy. How was your pregnancy? It was fantastic. I loved being pregnant, both of my pregnancies. I absolutely loved everything about it. Like, I just think it's amazing. I think it's like one of the most 
spiritual experiences you get to have as a woman is creating life. Like I just, I, I don't know. It opened up this side of me that I can't even like, you can never go back. It's just like, it's amazing to feel life inside your body. Mm, yeah. I loved it. I loved it too. I loved it too. So you had your babies and you decided to raise them plant-based. Yes. And how has that gone? It, it was good. You know, there was a lot of learning things along the way. Uh, I breastfed both of them, but I struggled with breastfeeding, um, more so with my son, who was my first, you know, just because it was the first time around. He didn't sleep at all. So it was just like dealing with like being exhausted all the time and trying to breastfeed. And yeah, it was just like hard with him. So yeah, just kind of, you know, starting solids and, you know, what are we going to feed him and having all the input from other people like, oh, you got to feed them meat for iron and they're going to be sick if you don't give them milk and, you know, breast milk isn't enough. And like just all these weird things, all this unsolicited advice you get as a parent. But, uh, you know, just really quickly learned that the unsolicited advice wasn't just about food. It was about everything. People just like to give advice about parenting when no one's asking for it. I don't know. So I learned to kind of tune it out. You have to. The first year, I think first baby and first year, you get so – I got such a lot of anxiety about that because people would just be slamming you with unsolicited advice all the time. And I did have to get a, you get a thick skin pretty quick in that first year, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You kind of have to. I was pretty passive before then, and and I've now just become like, you know, I'm able to kind of say, no, this is what I'm doing, and I, they're my children, and I get to do what I want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. So was there social struggles or a pushback, like from family and friends and peers around you changing your diet in such a radical way? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I think, thought that I wasn't going to stick with it. So they, you know, there was a lot of comments made over the years. And then there was also, you know, once my son did start eating solids, so my oldest, so the first one that we were kind of weaning to a whole food plant-based diet, um, definitely got a lot of comments from, you know, family members saying, oh, you guys have to feed him meat, you have to feed him meat. And along with that whole thing of it, you know, your first child and me being passive, like, there were times where we were just like, we put our hands up and said, you know, okay, well, I guess you guys can give him a little piece of meat. Like, if it's that important to you that my child has this little piece of meat. So my son did at times have little pieces of meat. What's funny about that now um, is that those family members that did that, are now whole food plant-based. <laughs> so they look back on that and they're like, we don't know why we did that. But, you know, I think I never wanted to fight with anybody about food. And I've never, ever pushed my thoughts about food on people. I always just try to share kind of the experience that I had and the health benefits that I've seen from it. Because I know no one could have ever pushed this on me. And that's not how people come to this. They need to come to it on their own. And that's kind of what happened with um, our family members who decided to go whole food plant-based. They just kind of, I think after a couple of years of watching us eat this way and seeing how healthy our kids were um, and just seeing me as well, just kind of, you know, thriving, eating this way for an extended period of time, they suddenly became interested. And they also had some amazing health benefits too. So, you know, it's just funny to look back and see that those were the people that were pressuring us. But, <sighs> you know, that's just how it is. We were just talking... A last episode, I think, just about how it's, it's often the ones who said, I would never do that. I would never go vegan. And they're the ones that I find go vegan the most. I don't know how it happens. They're so resistant, like a pendulum, and that they're so resistant one way that they just swing violently exactly. back the other way. All the way the other way. It's yeah. pretty awesome. Um, I love when that happens. Me too. So... With your children, what have you have you noticed anything about? I guess if they've when they've always been vegan or plant based mostly, are there anything that you've noticed about their health or their any any difficult you know socializing things or things that you've come up against that you're that you're aware are struggles that are because you're raising vegan children? Yeah, I mean some of the benefits are, and I mean this is just totally what we kind of see is they, they definitely I don't feel they get as sick as often as other kids they do get a cold or something it's just gone really quickly and that's been a huge benefit um you know me and their dad both work and so like the fact that they're almost never sick is a huge bonus so like we love that part obviously you know socially it's been difficult and I'm sure like you experience the same thing like it's we try our best to just let you know, let them kind of fit in as much as they can. But, um, you know, there was different situations. Like I had my son in a preschool. So like when he was like three, it's almost like a kindergarten. I'm not sure what you guys call it in Australia, but you know, it's before school. It's just for play and just for fun, but they do like snacks and meals and stuff there. And 
you know, even though we tried to explain to them kind of how he ate and I sent food for him for probably three months, they were just feeding him whatever and they were eating terrible. And so it kind of just got to the point where I had to pull him out. And it was, I felt really bad because we tried so hard to be like flexible with them and not, you know, not get too upset about, but it's, it's sad because when kids have never had dairy, their bodies are in terrible pain when they have it. Right. So, you know, we spent a couple nights up with my son in the middle of the night, him just crying with stomach pains because he just doesn't have that gut bacteria to deal with dairy. You know, even myself, if I accidentally have dairy in something, I know right away, but it's almost like, I feel like my body can still kind of manage it a little bit. It's still painful. I know it's happened. Um, but with my kids, man, like just awful, awful pain. Now my daughter, because she's second and we were way more strict with her, we haven't had those experiences with her. But my son, you know, he's he's kind of had a little bit of that. So I'm so happy that you're feeling so well and that you've come so far with your with your health. It has now been six years. What would a typical day of eating look like for you now? So breakfast, I usually do some kind of green smoothie. So lots of kale, spinach, you know, super, super cream. And I will say my partner who he actually was eating these green smoothies when I met him at like before we, we were ever like plant-based or anything. And he got me onto them but I thought they were disgusting when I first seen them, when I first tasted them. But now it's so funny, like I just whip them up and I'm like, oh yeah, handfuls of kale and spinach and it's like nothing, right? So that's like a typical breakfast or like some fruit. I usually have fruit in the morning. Uh, I actually went through a period, so I ate, um, or sorry, I read uh, Dr. Greger's new book, How Not to Diet. So one of the big kind of lessons that I kind of took away from that is to eat a bigger breakfast. I don't know if you've read the book, but it's like eat more in the morning, eat, you know, a good sized lunch and then less at supper, which was basically the opposite of what I was doing. And I think the opposite of what most people were doing. So before COVID kind of hit, I was doing that. So I was having these huge breakfasts. I was having like baked potatoes and carrot sticks and hummus and like salads and soup and like just these huge breakfasts. Um, And I'm kind of, when COVID hit and my kids were suddenly home all the time and I got laid off from work, like things kind of fell apart and I just got back to my green smoothies. But, um, and, you know, for lunch, sandwiches, soup, salad, chilies. Um, I'm, I'm big, big, big into batch cooking because I work full time and I have kids. I, I have a freezer full of food. That's the only way we can manage this. I batch cook. I make as much stuff as I can that we can freeze. I generally don't ever just make you know, supper. I, if I'm making supper, whatever I'm making, it's something that I can make a triple batch of. It goes in the freezer or it goes in the fridge and we have leftovers for days. And that's kind of one of the things that I've done the whole way through to make this manageable while working as well. Yeah. If you're listening, lis- listen properly. Batch cooking is a lifesaver. Yeah. You know what? Like I wouldn't be able to do this without doing that. I mean, if I was a stay at home mom, I maybe would be able to do it, but I think even still it saves so much time. Um, you know, if you're going to make a pot of soup, you might as well make triple. It only takes an extra five minutes and then you have all this leftover food. Yeah. So that's kind of been my big thing. Mm. Yeah. And are your kids fussy eaters or are they? My son is a little bit. My daughter's still awesome. My son wasn't until he was like probably around when he turned three. He kind of started going through this fussy phase. I found it really hard emotionally because I was so used to him eating such a huge diverse amount of foods. We could give him anything. He would just eat it. Um, he, you know, he's definitely more like now like, oh, I don't want this on pizza or I don't want, I don't want toppings in the pasta. You know, he just wants pasta sauce and whatever. And so I just try to relax with it and not worry too much. I, the book that I love, one of the, my favorite books is Whole by Dr. Campbell. And it talks a lot about, you know, you don't need to sit around counting macros and counting minerals and counting all this stuff. Eat foods in their whole form. Eat till you're full. Eat the foods that you want to eat and don't overthink about everything. And so I really try to keep that in mind with my kids, too. Like, my son will go through days where he wants to eat five apples, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, eat five apples. That's cool. And, you know, he's he's been fine. So Yeah, yeah. One of the things I loved that Natalie Woodman, who's been on the show now, I think like three times, but she <laughs> said, I feel like it was in the first time on episode 14, but it really helped me. She said that we think we have, because we have recommended daily intake RDI on the back of packaging on the instruction in, instruction ingredients panel. She said, 
it's not that you have one day to get those things. Like we think we have to eat all those things in one day, but it's actually you know, up to two weeks of time to, to get all of those nutrients in. So if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, but what about, you know, needing all these little different things in that one day, like vitamins, minerals, nutrients, you've got a bigger window. So don't panic too much. Exactly. Yeah. The other day, my son really wanted mangoes and he wanted frozen mangoes. So he ate like three cups of frozen mangoes. Like I, and I just, I don't worry about it. Like if that's what he wants to eat, it's good, healthy food. You know, it's not like he's saying to me, he wants to eat chicken nuggets. And I'm like, sure, eat a bag of chicken nuggets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I think it's really important for us to recognize that when they, when they, our kids are intuitively eat it. When they're, when they're eating only pretty much whole foods, whatever choice they make is going to be pretty good. Exactly. exactly. So just to trust them that is what they want. But don't, you know, obviously if it's nuggets, that's not a, that's not a choice. That's, no, that's, exactly. that's, that's the bad guys making a choice. living off of that. I know, so, I mean, I'm like, okay, my kids are doing okay, right? Yeah, they totally are. <laughs> Oh, well, so two things left, two questions left. And one is where can people follow you, find you, see you on social media? Is there any place or do you have social media? Sure. Yeah, no, I do. I have a a website that started out as a recipe blog because so many people were asking me for recipes. I thought it would be a little easier to kind of have everything streamlined. Um, So it's wholeplantfoodie.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the same thing. So wholeplantfoodie. Uh, and I guess that's kind of it. But yeah, on my website, there's a link there too if you want to email me or anything. I love talking to people. I don't sell anything. I'm just like, I love helping people kind of learn about eating this way. And I get like lots of just random questions from people. And I just love chatting with people about it because I know, especially, I think, I feel like lucky sometimes that I, I made this switch before I had my kids. I know I have a lot of friends who really want to switch and they have kids and it, it's a struggle. You know, if you're trying to change a whole family over, it's not easy. It's a big thing. Yeah, it is. And, and for the batch cooking is the big thing that I always recommend to people because it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really like from my kids, because sometimes it, even my kids can be fussy. I'm not saying even mine is in, but I mean, vegan, my vegan yeah. kids have always been vegan since, since they were born. They can be fussy. And I remember Deb Plowman talking about making these big, beautiful kind of just tables with lots of great stuff on and let the kids just pick and play. And that's been the key. So if your kids aren't, haven't been vegan since birth and they're tra- making, you want to make the transition with them, just putting some beautiful colored bits and pieces on the table and just say, just try something new each meal and just get them to taste new things and make their, make their plates themselves, make their own little Buddha bowls themselves with bits and pieces that are on the table. And you'll be surprised that slowly their taste buds do change as they add in more foods that are fun and that they like. So I think making it more sometimes I like put blueberries or apple slices and weird things on there on the table at dinner time and they just graze and it's just really that that they are empowered because they're making their own choices about their food and they're learning and we just keep an open discussion about what the foods on the table do for our bodies and how they help our bodies we don't to give grow. Kids enough credit, right? Yeah. Like. My son's only four and a half, and recently he started asking about death. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of explained to him the best I could what death is, and he said to me, Mom, but I don't want to die ever. And so I kind of use that as an opportunity to be like, well, these are some things we can do if we want to live longer, you know, is we eat healthy and we, we get enough sleep and we, you know, we drink lots of water. And so like every time now when we sit down to, to dinner, he'll say, hey, mom, is this food going to help me live longer? And it's either yes or no. Right. It's like and so sometimes when he's like pushing to have something that I don't want him to have and he asks that, I'm like, you know, that's not going to help you have a long, healthy life. And he will put it down. It's like amazing. Like it's like he wants to be healthy. You know, he's young. He doesn't even really know what that means, but he, he, he knows it's a good thing. Yeah. You're so right. We just don't give kids enough credit and, and enough power in their decisions. And, be, and, and when you do, in, for me, I need, as a child, I just wanted to know the reasons behind my parents' decisions around things. And I think that our kids are the same. And when you tell them the real reasons and not in a scary way, in an age-appropriate way, that my kids love running, they're like, they're you know, they're really fiery boys who love to be outdoors and fit and strong. And I'm just like, if you want to do these things, this is why we eat this way, you know, and talk about the good guys in our guts. And 
who do you want to feed in the battle between good and evil? Because they're like, you know, good guys, bad guys, my little... Oh, yeah, yeah. And I say, yeah. well, if you, if you want to get a donut, you can, but the donut feeds right. the bad guys. Do you want the bad guys exactly. to win today? Like, yeah, yeah. It helps them learn how to make their own choices, yeah. right? Yeah. Because they're going to have to yeah. really soon. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and so what would be your three biggest tips for people wanting to make this transition for themselves? I think the biggest thing that has kind of helped me along the way has been to just have grace with myself. So I didn't go whole food plant-based in 2014 and I've never eaten anything bad since. Like I have had, especially I would say those first two or three years, it was like every month there was something that happened and I was like, okay, I just ate this crazy thing that I know I'm not supposed to be eating Um, or that I I don't want to be eating. Not that I shouldn't be. Um, And so I just kind of, I never seen that as like a setback or anything. I just always looked at it as an opportunity to learn something kind of like, you know, like if you have an exam at school and you get a question wrong, it's like, well, you get to find out what the proper answer is and you learn something from that. Right. And so to take those opportunities to learn something from those mistakes or those setbacks, I say mistakes in quotation, because that's just part of life. So you really have to have grace with yourself and don't hold yourself to some kind of perfect standard because that's not what life is like right and even especially if you're if you have kids you know I think as a mother maybe that's where I kind of even came up with that is that we don't expect our kids to be perfect all the time right I mean they can't be it's just part of life we make mistakes and food's going to be the same way especially when you've been eating a certain way for like 32 years like I was um there's going to be moments where I'm like you know what I really want to have that thing and I'm going to give into it and then later think I wish I didn't but what can I learn from? Why did I do that? What what was it that triggered me to decide to do that today? And then they space out. You know, those experiences really spaced out. You know, from three to four years, it was like way less. And and now it's like maybe once or twice a year, I have these moments where I really struggle. And, you know, I make my decision and I live with my decision and I, I, I walk on. I keep going, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Such a good piece of advice. What about number two? I definitely like mentioned this, but batch cooking, I think in 2020, having convenience food is just part of everyone's reality. And if you can't figure out a way to make whole food plant based convenient, you're not going to stick with it. So either batch cooking or finding foods in the store that are already whole food plant based that you can take out of a fridge or freezer and have a really quick meal when you have not planned properly or your life is just busy and you need a meal right now or you have kids that are hungry and they need a meal right now. Um, you know, being prepared like that and having food ready to go is a game changer. And I realized that, you know, for people that haven't cooked before, that's a big struggle to think about doing that. But just start small, you know, like start with easy recipe, whatever it is, even if it's just like a salad, you know, prep food to make a salad for two or three days, cut it all up, put it in your fridge. That way the next day when you have to have lunch and you're like, what am I going to have? It's going to be so easy to just pull out that food that's already prepped instead of going, oh, well, maybe I'll make like a chicken sandwich, but that's going to take you 20 minutes. Well, that salad's going to be a lot easier. We usually always, you know, that's human nature to pick what's convenient. Um, so work, use that to your advantage, I think. Yeah. Number three. Number three is kind of what I did when I was pregnant and educate yourself. There are so many amazing whole food plant-based doctors, lifestyle medicine doctors um, that are around right now. And not just doctors, people like you, um, you know, Rich Roll is somebody that I found out about really early on in my um, my journey. And he's plant-based, but he also just like, he has such amazing guests on his podcast. I just like, I love stuff like that. And it's opened me up to other lifestyle choices that I have switched as well. So I think just like getting knowledge, I, you know, um, there's the... Uh, T. Colin Campbell nutrition program that I took. I was going to say, Rich Roll sleeps outside in a tent and I'm so keen to do that. But then I'm like, oh, it's cold now. I did it once during the pandemic. Winter camp. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be out in the tent like Rich Roll, coming in, get my circadian rhythms right, start the day great with nature. (laughs) It's funny you say that because I sleep in a tent too, but not outside. I sleep in it inside. (laughs) <laughs> because it helps me sleep like it's so that I can sleep in a really dark place because I'm really big on proper sleep as well like sleep is to me is just as important as food 
So that's like a big part of kind of my lifestyle choice is to to really maximize my sleep. So the tent is to make it dark. Is that why? Yeah, it's yeah, it's called a privacy pop and it goes over my bed. My mattress is inside it and it's this big black tent and it darkens the room and it's amazing and it makes me sleep so much better. I love it. Me and my son actually both sleep in it sometimes and he sleeps so much better in it too. Never heard of it. Sounds excellent. If you want to sleep in a tent inside, look that up. It's awesome. <laughs> I also want a weighted blanket. I think a weighted blanket would help me with sleep because I... I just got one delivered today. <gasps> That's so funny that you said that. That is so funny. So you're going to try it tonight. Message me tomorrow and tell me how it goes. Oh, I'll let you know. I know it's good because my son has one, so I've slept with it before. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I need is to... Is it hot? Myself. I don't want to be hot. I just want to... The one I that I got is, is designed to not be hot, but I'll let you know if it actually isn't. So mm. yeah, some of them are. Yeah, because I love the weight. That's why in summer I struggle to sleep so much because I want the weight of a blanket on me, but I but not the heat. Not the heat. Yeah. So. The one that I have is supposed to be a cooling one, so I'll see if it really lives up to that. <gasps> I'm so excited. Let me know. You mentioned T. Colin Campbell, and I interrupted with my ritual. Oh, thing. I was just saying, yeah. So I took like the nutrition course through them, which is an amazing thing to do. You know, if you want to educate yourself, it's an awesome program. I'm just in Dr. Clapper's master class right now too. He has a new master class that he's brought out. It's mostly for health professionals. I am not a health professional, um, but I just love that stuff. I love all the knowledge. I feel like you know, anything that I can learn along the way, you know, when you got to be confident, I feel like when you're eating this way, because you're going to get a lot of people, I get doctors say stuff to me, I, you know, I've had pediatricians say stuff to me about my kids, and why aren't they drinking whole milk, and you're not giving them cheese, like kids can't live without cheese, and I think you really just need to be confident in your decision to yeah. eat this way. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, it would be my number one tip, would be education for me, someone who you know, we want everyone wants to be liked, and when people question your the way you raise your children and your own and 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 you're not going to change your mind, you know that I, I feel this like oh now they don't like me and now they think that I'm stupid and now they think that I'm making a poor choice and now I'm they think I'm putting my children's health at risk and that for someone who d wants to be liked and gets anxiety at not being liked even though it's not a conscious thing I know that that's the fundamental underlying fear that the that the situation brings up when it happens. Education helped me. I just put all the answers to all of their fears into my phone, into a notes. Smart. And I just put it all in there with all the research that I'd done. I, every, time, every time I found a new bit of research, I put it into my notes. And even though I never opened that note, having that note there made me feel like if they ask me, I have, it, I have the response. If they ask me about protein, if they ask me about vitamin K, if they ask me about d their teeth or their bones or their whatever by b12 i just wanted it all in my phone in a safe place so that even though i never called upon it but having it there made me feel strong right you had taken the time to know the answers to those questions yeah. even though some of those questions are not super valid but no. at least you then took the time to go oh okay yeah this isn't something i have to worry about yeah because when they yeah. raise it and you're not prepared you're like oh you're right they does, he does need to eat cheese all kids need to eat cheese i am doing a stupid thing yeah and i really wanted because I knew in my heart that I was doing the right thing but I found when they're, when they're babies and you're sleep deprived and you're so your emotions are raw because you just unslept and you're so in love with them and you're so wanting to be the best protector and mother for them and then these people who've had children for longer than you or they might be maternal and child health nurses or doctors who have more experience and in, in, in inverted commas wisdom than you it's such a difficult time as a mum to go out with your first baby and have all these people tell you that what you're doing is potentially going to damage them in some way. I found it so hard, so I just made that note and that really helped. If you're listening with a, and you're pregnant or with a new baby and that's happening for you, I, I, I found the note really, really helpful. Just a bullet point, bullet point thing in my phone and I didn't ever ever opened it but I always just felt like it's there if I need to if I need to argue this point right. but I never wanted to argue yes. I never wanted to have the thing so I just would change the no, subject. No it never goes well right? But yeah I yeah, just would change the subject but I just felt confident knowing that I knew all the answers and I knew I was doing the right thing. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show I can't wait to hear about your way to blank. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll let you know. They're amazing. I'd say it's worth it. But I'll let you know if it's cool because that's very important. Do you sleep with earplugs as well? 
No, I don't. I sleep with no noise. Um, I like it very quiet. You know, I worked night shift for a lot of years. And so when my son was born and he didn't sleep well, I suddenly became obsessed with sleep. And this is kind of a whole other part of my life that I'm really like passionate about proper sleep and, you know, evidence-based learning around sleep hygiene and stuff. And so, yeah, I, I always, that's another thing I always tell people, if you're not sleeping well, like your brain doesn't get to heal. And I mean, you know, in terms of like long-term health and stuff too, like dementia and all that stuff is greatly affected by lack of sleep. So a lot of health benefits to sleeping well yes oh wow i I could go on a whole another episode with you about sleep hygiene because i am fascinated about this area too so have you read dr matthew walker's book no i haven't oh why we sleep it's you will die oh i may i may and the title i'm from i'm not good with authors names often but the title i've heard it's so good. It blew my mind. And I just, I, I have to read it like three or four times. It's very similar to a lot of the plant-based books. There's just so much information in there. So I'm going to get that from my husband and my kids because my kids like night lights, And I'm just like, baby, your body doesn't need light. It needs dark at night. Yeah, kid, that's a thing for kids. I don't know what that is, eh? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they fell asleep around campfires when we were when we were all tribal people, and that's why they... you're all hippie babies sleeping by campfires. <laughs> I don't know. Like, why biologically would they have? But I'm guessing they would have been by the fire if we were like in traditional like Paleolithic times. Yeah, so they would have no, had firelight, like little well, amount maybe of light. Maybe it's just kind of you know you know the other thing I think about that too is I feel like in over time kids were used to sleeping closer to their parents so you know now our kids kind of sleep alone in a room so it's just maybe a little more comforting for them to have a light on yeah fascinating i'm gonna be everyone else go read why we sleep like i'm going to be downloading it for my run tomorrow oh perfect it's 14 hours in audio i just finished a 14 hour one yesterday (laughs) and i was like such a like it's like i finished a a degree i was (laughs) i finished that 14 hour book and i just thought wow you've accomplished something great corinne You'll love it. And you'll probably want to sleep in a tent like Rich Roll. So I do. I already want to sleep in a tent like Rich Roll. I want to do everything Rich does, I have to admit. (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit. Well, I don't know about everything, but, you know. I understand. I understand. People refer to him as my boy because I talk about him so much. Like, oh, yeah, your boy Rich Roll. Like, I don't even know him, but they call him that here. It's so funny. <laughs> I hear you. I don't, I don't talk about him that much, but it does. It is weird like when, you, when you're so familiar with a personality because you listen to their podcast. And then yes. like recently someone that I listen to all the time, they, they cancelled their podcast. Yeah. And I, I, I literally grieved the loss oh. of not having them like each the week it was and it seems so ridiculous but I listened to them so much that I oh, you should message them and tell them well I did write in the comments to the video that to the end where they were saying we're not gonna do it anymore I wrote like oh my gosh like I shouldn't be sad because I don't know you but you feel connected well, he was my, yeah. she was oh, my little bre- breastfeeding nighttime thing that I would do at night but all by myself in the witching hour I just would listen to yeah. this harmless innocent it was a youtuber actually and i just found it so calming and just there was no nastiness it was just playful and wasn't stressful or too much information for late late at night even though that's not good sleep hygiene i know but (laughs) i was breastfeeding so i was awake and just yeah yeah i know yeah there's no such thing as good sleep hygiene when you have a newborn anyways No, so yeah, but I was very sad. I did write to her and say I'm actually gr- sad in a way that like I've lost a friend, even though we don't. Yeah. I'm a complete weird stranger to you in a different country. <laughs> like if Rich cancelled, it would be just such a, a shock. I would be so sad. Like I just I love the diversity of guests he yeah. has on there. It's just opened me up to so much new information. Yeah. I just it blows my mind. Same, so. same, same. So Rich, you can't. Rich, I'm. I don't think he's ever listened to this podcast, but he's listening you're, right now. you're listening right now. Please don't cancel. You can just call this podcast <laughs> Ode to Rich Roll and then he'll listen. Ode to Rich Roll. <laughs> I should. I'll put the, I'll, I'll tag him in the thing and see. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for rambling now about Rich Roll. I, uh, I'm, sorry oh, yeah, sorry. If you, I'm sorry if you tuned out like 15 minutes ago. But <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was lovely meeting you. And I'm so glad that you have now no arthritis, no eczema, 
no migraines, no asthma, and that you're feeling so good. Yeah, thank you. It's, a, it's an that's amazing just, journey. And you're helping others, and that's just so – I love how everyone – we can't help but share. We're the annoying people in our family and friends' lives, but – Exactly. You can't help when you realize the difference, night and day difference to how you feel. You just can't help but want to share it with everyone. Yes. Yeah. It's like you wake up and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Why don't people know this? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was really good to talk to you. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on the show. I absolutely love chatting with you and hearing your story. I'm so glad that you're feeling so much better and that you're giving hope to so many others who are living with these, you know, asthma, eczema, arthritis, allergies, migraines, who just are living with them unnecessarily based on a medical system that just does not know the impact nutrition has on the health of our body through no fault of its own. But we know how powerful nutrition is for our bodies and our healing processes. And I hope that people listening now will know that there's another way, a better way that is, that means they don't have to be burdened by niggling conditions that everyone's telling them they just have to have for the rest of their life. So thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your story and thank you all so much for listening. Please share Jennifer's story everywhere you go. Share it. It's so important people know this information. You're the voice that may change someone's life. Don't be a bully. Just be a fun, curious person that says, you know what, I've heard I was listening to this thing and it said this and it was really awesome and she's feeling so much better. You don't have to ram it down people's faces. Just... Just be gentle. Maybe you should listen to this. It's really, really awesome what this person's done with her health. Maybe you could give it a try for a week. Jennifer was done and dusted in four weeks. Just say, you know, how about trying it for four weeks and just seeing? And if it doesn't work, you can go back to eating how you were eating. But just try it for four weeks. What have you got to lose? Eczema, asthma, allergies, arthritis, multiple sclerosis, heart disease, liver cirrhosis, so many different things. So... Definitely worth trying for four weeks. All right. Love you all. Have a great week. I hope you're well wherever you are in the world within this pandemic. I didn't mention it this episode because it's just such a big, big thing. But I hope you're safe and well. And I'm thinking of you all and sending you my love and compassion and kindness. And I hope that you're being kind to yourself and gentle in this time because it's a really hard time. And I'm here with you. Take care of yourselves. See you next week. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sun.